Tonight, we dive into the truly fringe encounters of the unexplained. We look into the encounters with the devil monkey, a creature with the face of a dog, the limbs of an ape, and a very, very hot temper. everyone and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host Kat Cloco and along with me for this crazy ride are Christina Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. You can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and at Cincy Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And of course we're dying to hear your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. So please send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join us on our Facebook group Hometown Haunts and share it there. We are an official podcast that can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to see us while we're doing the show, you can watch the video feed on our YouTube. Hello there, everyone. Find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities and please rate and review us so other spooky history lovers, just like yourself, can find us. Link, of course, is in the show notes. Also, thank you for a wonderful iTunes review that we just got this weekend. So, this is some dude's opinion on said podcast. Good independent podcast. It's slow to start, but they find a good groove. The stories are entertaining and told kind of matter-of-factly with all, without all that hype and dramatization you'll find from scary story-type podcasts. The interviews are great and informative and for more than just an Ohio audience. A really great podcast if you're looking for something to listen to with kids and introduce them to topics from the other side of the veil. Thank you. That's a wonderful review. I am blushing at the fact that we got called matter of fact because my little anthropological heart is extremely happy that we are bringing so many facts to our fringe history podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's just like, that's the greatest praise you can give somebody in the social sciences is hey you may talk about crazy things but you bring some facts to it so what do you two think of the wonderful review oh we also got five stars which is great I, it's exciting and if anyone else wants to leave a review that would be great too um, yes. yeah. you know we've been doing this this is our fifth uh, 64th episode yes so um you know we like getting all the feedback we can and mm-hmm. You know, we look forward to doing many more episodes. Yes. Yes. Same. It's fun. Yeah. We I don't run out you. of stuff. <laughs> no, no, we don't run out of stuff. We, we always take suggestions as well. Um, but I love just doing the weird background history of all of our topics when we don't have guests on. So it's great. So thank you for this wonderful review. It, it's. I like the praise. <laughs> so, Christina, you had some fun action this weekend that came out wrong but <laughs> well, you, you know, did something fun <laughs> it was the first book festival i've been at since i want to say 2019 wow because wow. of covid of course and um i know you've been at book festivals as well it's a great way to meet other authors mm-hmm. and uh talk shop with people um you know we this wasn't a very big one. It was the first one that was up in the Salina region of Ohio, which is kind of about maybe an hour and a half south of Toledo, a little bit, mm-hmm. little bit north of Dayton. Mm-hmm. And it was fun seeing a lot of authors I hadn't seen in a long time. They had a mix of adult authors. And when I say adult, like other than children's authors, not adult, adult. But... Not mature rated books. Yeah, authors. yes. It was, it was like a mixture of, there were some historical authors there. There were some people that wrote fiction um, and there were, you know, a lot of children's books, authors, uh, not as many. There was a couple other illustrators there. Um, and it was just really fun to talk to people again. And we also ran into a couple fans of the show and Ooh. I actually got some really good ghost stories. I hope that we will be revealing soon. Ooh, nice. um, one uh, particular fan of the show is working up a little um description of the haunt with his grandmother so hopefully we'll be playing that on the next show and then we also got some other interesting ghost stories that i hope to get uh revealed later and maybe can get some people on the show to talk about them oh that'd be great yeah that's really cool 
Yeah, it was it was really fun seeing everybody again and kind of talking, writing and, you know, all you know what it's like being around a lot of people that do what you do. You know, you get yes. to kind of talk shop. Yeah, you get to talk <laughs> shop. You get inspired by talking to other people and you yeah. don't have to explain yourself too much. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to explain yourself. Yeah. You're just talking trench work basically with every other uh, other artists that have done similar work. So. Yeah, yeah. And it's always neat to hear what authors are working on and researching. You know, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, one person that was, we stayed uh, the night at an author's house that lives close to where the venue was. And she was working on a book that was really cool. The art was all going to be done in woodcuts. And oh, she had wow. written it with someone else. And it was about a famous author uh, that, or a famous artist that had lived in Ohio. So it was very historical. Mm -hmm. It was a bio, a lot of them were doing biographical picture books and children's books and stuff and we're talking about research and methods and stuff like that which was really interesting mm -hmm. yeah sounds oh. like a good weekend yeah, yeah it was so a lot what of fun was, what was the name of the festival yeah. it is and and i let me let me get it correct because i think it was the greater lake region and when it says greater lake it's because it's not one of the great lakes this mm. is a, a lake that's one of the biggest inland lakes in Ohio. Uh, I okay. believe it's called St. Mary's. And so it was kind of by there. Okay. Um, Grand Lake Area Literature Festival. Okay. Oh. So, We're just going to completely ignore that great lake named Erie that's just north of it. Yes. Like, well, if it was the if it was the Lake Erie Festival, it would probably be in Cleveland or Sandusky. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Or Toledo, I guess. Yeah, Toledo technically they're they're jumping in going, we count too exactly exactly uh yeah this is more sort of in not in center state but kind of yeah you know it's yeah. close to wapakoneta which okay. i love the name wapakoneta so anytime mm -hmm. i get to use that word it is a fun name mm -hmm. has Definitely that really cool you can pronounce it correctly it has that really cool um uh, neil armstrong museum there too that yeah, i love passing on the highway yep yeah. someday we'll get there Yes, true, true. That would be, that's kind of an interesting architecture, mm -hmm. sort of interesting area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing about that. That sounds fun going to the Grand Lake. Yeah, there. well, hopefully we'll be doing, you know, as you work on your next book for Schiffer, as we were just discussing before we went on the air. It's not guaranteed know. yet. People don't get excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you will do another book in your future. Yes, it, it, I have a few ideas. I just need to write the proposals. Yes, even uh -huh. though I'm an established author through them, I still need to write proposals. And we'll see if it gets approved or not. So <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. It's a lot of work. It takes about three years to write one of those. Um, oh, wow. Like true history ghost mm -hmm. lore books because we go on basically road trips around wherever we're writing and I interview people and I'm visiting the libraries and stuff. It was impossible to do during COVID lockdowns. So yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it'll be interesting. So anyhow, moving on to tonight's topic. Yes. On, oh, on to weird research. On This is... This is by far, everyone, the weirdest thing I have ever had to research for a show, for a book. I have researched murderesses, murderers, ghosts of their victims, ghosts of the murderers, been to the locations, been assaulted by bats. And this is by far the weirdest roller coaster of a story that I have ever covered in, geez, I don't know how many. And I really, no unmute yourselves i want you to be able to respond to the crazy things that i find tonight because buckle in everyone we're going on a fun roller coaster known as the devil monkey so this was not something i was too familiar with until our recent uh cincinnati cabinet of curiosities anthology where steve staglin put the devil monkey in his cryptids together I think you both remember that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he has a really passing little, or she, it, the character has a very passing uh, comment saying, at least you're not named the double monkey. Like, and I'm <laughs> like, I, and Steve drew it like a little baboon. It looks like Rafiki just in the middle of this um, help circle for cryptids. And I'm like, I don't really know much about the double monkey. I know it's out near Portsmouth, Ohio. And it, it's around the forests. This kind of cryptids. I like cryptids, but I don't go out looking for them. So I'm just like, yeah, it's out there somewhere. 
uh, in Portsmouth, Ohio, was not completely right and was not completely wrong. So we're diving into the world of the truly strange tonight, following the antics of the devil monkey. There are scant encounters um, with the fearsome cryptid, but the ones that have been reported are extremely terrifying. And interestingly, across the country, really about North America is where all the devil monkey is seen. A lot of the encounters have interesting similarities. Some of them are better documented than others. Two of them are very well documented in their interesting cases. So the devil monkey is said to be generally three to four feet tall and have been described as having shaggy canine-like hair and a, or canine-faced and a baboon-like creature, like the body is that of a baboon, which is a type of monkey. And very powerful kangaroo-like legs, which meets for some interesting old-school articles that I read from the 1930s. There are, they are also said to have tiny pointed ears and a bushy tail and razor-sharp three-toed feet. And they have been mostly seen in the Midwest and Canada. So the Midwest of the United States and up into Canada. And even as far north as Alaska. And many believe that these creatures do exist and some even mistake them for legendary Bigfoot minifigures, basically. Like mini big feet, Bigfoot, mini grassmen. Um, so that's basically how they're described. So the three to four feet tall, shaggy, dark brown, dark gray or black hair and um, canine face, baboon like body. And sometimes has a tail, sometimes it doesn't. In our case, we have the devil monkey in Ohio, uh, reportedly spotted on June 26, 1997 in Duncansville, Ohio, which is just outside of Portsmouth, is slightly north. And it is attributed to a Miss Debbie Cross. However, if you look up Miss Debbie Cross, you cannot find Miss Debbie Cross. It was described to be around five feet tall and had long pointed ears and appeared to be gray, had a large dark eyes, long arms, a short tail, and had hair all over its body that were about an inch and a half long and reportedly very aggressive. And that's it. That's our devil monkey sighting in Ohio. But if we follow the timeline of where these are all seen across the United States and North America, up into Canada. It paints an interesting picture of what it could be. So we're going to zoom back to a different Ohio um, sighting from 1875. So this is took place in present-day Lake Vesuvius Recreation Area outside of Pedro, Ohio, which is actually not too far away from um, the Duncansville sighting. This reportedly happened on March 11th, 1875, and it was reported by the Ironton Register. And there is a story about a devil-like creature harassing the workers of an iron mine in neighboring smelting furnace. The creature was described to have short legs, a long black tail, and a thin body. And that's it. That's the sighting. Something just kept harassing the men working there. Then we move to South Pittsburgh, Tennessee in 1934, which is a very well-documented case. Numerous reports are made throughout the year, but mostly in January of 1934, that a baboon-like creatures, or a baboon-like creature was leaping, bounding, and dashing across the open fields with great speed. Now, I want to note that this was seen in January of, technically January 16th of 1934, 10 days prior to this was the international news that Nessie was spotted in, at Loch Ness in Scotland. So wow. strange creatures were already on the cultural mind when these, this account starts. So January 16th, 1934 was the first report by made by Reverend W.J. Hancock. He witnessed several police German shepherd dogs who were brutally killed and partially devoured by the creature on Saturday, January 13, 1934. The following night, the creature returned to kill several more neighborhood dogs, geese, and ducks. The search party was created with 20 heavily armed men who tracked the unusual footprints of the beast to the cave. And they basically went up the mountainside and found a cave where this beast was living. No one moved 
around the community without armed escort. And this happened for an entire week. <clears throat> and the first newspaper to record or report on this was the Chattanooga Daily Times from Tuesday, January 16, 1934. It made the front page. And this the front page is called Vicious Kangaroo-Like Animal Terrorizes Marion Settlement. So a lot of reports, especially online, will say that this is from South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, but it's even more specific. It's the little settlement of Marion. Um, the following day, the local police chief, A.C. Russell, stated that there was no mysterious kangaroo or cat. He stated that the report may have started after an order to lock up all dogs after a rabid dog had run amok in the community. And this was sourced from the Knoxville Journal, Wednesday, January 17th, 1934, page 11. And I love this gigantic lettering. Hopefully we can put up just the title. No kangaroo report <laughs> of mysterious cat held to be superstition at South Pittsburgh. And uh, also I will note if anybody wants to look up these newspaper articles, they're easy to find on any of the archive websites. They do have colorful language for how to describe members of their own community. Keep that in mind that this was written in the South in 1934. So it's not exactly friendly for some members of the community. You so, know what leaps to my mind reading this? Mm -hmm. There is an animal that does fit this. Oh, a mountain lion. <laughs> Yes, a mountain lion. Yes, it's very much color, so. It's the color of a kangaroo. It's very vicious. Mm -hmm. um, it leaps in the trees. Um, you know, I remember and before you uh, go back mm -hmm. to your, I remember we were in Colorado and they had a picture in one of the shops when you're, you know, in, in Boulder or, you know, in the mountainous areas uh, in one of the gift shops. And it was a woman holding her toddler and they look really happy. And you see a mountain lion behind them in the tree that they uh -huh. didn't know was there till the, they developed the picture. Um, yeah. So that's what it sounds like. And there aren't that many around here anymore because mm -mm. they've been big predators don't do very well in human settlements. They really now, don't. But and, they have uh, the same issue with wolves. Yes, they do. Yeah. People but, go out and kill them just because they're afraid of them, even though they don't really bother them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, mountain lions also screech like a woman dying. So, uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah the, it's there was a great video I watched last year of a policeman. He goes to check on a reported like woman in distress and you <laughs> he walks down the path, maybe 10 feet away from the police car in this, this dash cam video you hear this mountain lion you just see him just hustle back to the car he's <laughs> just like nope <laughs> nope not today <laughs> not today <laughs> so uh the following friday the marion kangaroo was caught by the police by and local men it turned out to be a rabid spotted dog Aww. they killed the dog and also had to put down several other dogs that had attacked but had survived because they were now they all had rabies now Wow. Um, so the source for that was the Chattanooga news, Friday, January 19th, 1934, page 13. So, um, that one has Marion kangaroo killed, found only spotted dog is the title of that article. And it goes into great detail about the 20 armed men and basically the chase that the dog gave them, but it explains a lot of the behavior that is going to be reported over and over and over again that is this is an animal that is small but mighty and very ferocious and doesn't tend to give up on its victims very quickly which kind of ex is explained with rabies so hmm. 1959 saltville virginia the boyd family were driving down a dark and secluded road near saltville when their car was attacked by what was described as a large ape-like creature leaving three clawed marks in their car. Pauline, their daughter, got a good look at the creature and described it as looking like a monkey. The hair of the animal was a light taffy color with a white blaze of hair down its neck and underbelly. It stood on two muscular legs while having rather small, short front legs. Although the animals scratched at the car, none of the occupants were harmed. A few days later, on that same stretch of road, two nurses driving... Uh, came into contact with the same beast or one that looked very similar. The animal viciously tore at their convertible car, actually managing to tear the convertible top right off. 
The nurses began to scream loudly and this scared the creature and it ran off. So that really sounds like a mountain lion. <laughs> so are honest. they driving down the road when this happens or are they parked on the side of the road? So it sounds like in this case, both cars were driving down the road, but not necessarily fast. Uh-huh. And uh, um, the creature basically comes bounding at the car. Jeez. Yeah. Now, Ooh. when I was visiting New Mexico back, oh goodness, 20 years ago, we had a mountain lion dash in front of our car while it chased a rabbit. No. And they are not afraid to just jump in front of cars. So I can wholly believe that this is a mountain lion yeah. um, or some other large animal that has rabies and is not afraid of cars. But anyway, 1969, British Columbia, witnesses report seeing a very odd-looking long-tailed monkeys that left some <laughs> unique three-toed tracks. Researchers arrived to take statements and the footprints they found appeared to be genuine, although devil monkeys or out-of-place primates were not found in the area. I love that. Out some placed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that makes me think otters. <laughs> <laughs> we, saw, we saw otters playing um i wish and i and i miss this one of my friends got pictures of these adorable otters playing and and we were in you know uh the area around seattle north of seattle by mm-hmm. port angeles and we saw these cute little otters playing and they're so fun to watch but they're very primate like yeah they're, they can mm-hmm. be very mean Albany, Kentucky, 1970s, specifically 1973. A large bushy-tailed ape with a face like a dog was reported as slaughtering and maiming cattle in Albany, Kentucky. The reports were so numerous in 1973 that famed cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman came to investigate. Although Coleman did not come up with convincing proof of the devil monkey, he was quoted saying, I interviewed the people who were very sincere in the whole context of devil monkey reports, it seems extremely sincere. You have these reports of hairy monkey-like creatures with tails very different from Bigfoot. This could be connected to the Enfield monster, also studied by Lauren Coleman, that happened in April of 1973. The monster was reported by Henry McDaniel. It had three legs on it, a short body, two short arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored. And that happened in Illinois. So interesting things are being witnessed in the early 70s. Uh, it sounded like an alien. It did. It, it kind of did, that one. Um, yeah, it, it's the, it, it could be interpreted in so many different ways. Um, but, of course, um, the kangaroo the the wild kangaroo is another explanation because the tail would have looked like a third leg so yeah yeah there's a lot of random kangaroos that run around amok in the forest apparently really if all these are to be believed so okay in 1979 there was a rash of sightings in rural georgia that followed the same thing that we've been talking about it's going to be a large dog-faced looking baboon bodied animal that is raging around the countryside the thing is is all of these there are no newspapers or books or anything to really back up these sightings they're just reportedly through the grapevine word of mouth stories so i could say they're they're just running muck in georgia and that's just what's written and and just by word of mouth there is no actual evidence of this happening um in 1994 in roanoke virginia a woman was driving down a dark road at 2 a.m when she saw what looked like a cross between an ape and a wolf the woman described described it to be about six feet tall and had wiry and thin frame and cat-like legs and was covered in sleek black fur. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, Service dismissed the report as being a feral dog or wolf. So, um, Barbara Millens took some convincing photographs in what is believed to be a dead devil monkey in 1996. 
Uh, Mullins was driving down Louisiana's Highway 12 when she noticed an abnormally large mass on the side of the road. Stomping to investigate, because sure, why not? She noticed the carcass looked more like a baboon with shaggy black hair, pointed ears, and ape-like arms and legs. It was roughly the size of a large dog. She took some photos of the strange carcass, but nothing more, and the images remain controversial within the cryptozoology community to this day. I did put up a photo in our little outline of what one of these things looks like. And it really kind of looks like a dead dog, but there's a, there's more than one photo. I just have one where you can see the face and um, it's pretty mangled, honestly. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad, but also I don't see any blood splatter trails. Like, there's no blood around it. It's clearly been moved. Hmm. So, um, I don't want to sit here and analyze it because that makes terrible radio. But hmm. um, it is an interesting thing. It reminds me of uh, one of the more recent cryptid uh, corpse sightings that. The name eludes me right now. Somebody's probably screaming at the radio going, it's blah, 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 blah. But anyway, (laughs) moving on. So August 21st, 2001, Danville, New Hampshire. Residents were woken at 8.30 a.m. by unnatural hounds and shrieks, unlike anything they have ever known. Jen Valicia heard the monkey around 8.30 Monday morning and was quoted saying, it was like a loud screeching piercing sound adding that her husband went outside to investigate. It was a noise that didn't belong in my woods, she said (laughs) to a reporter for Seacoast Online. Witnesses reported the creature looked like a large primate of some sort with a dog-like muzzle, prominent claws, sharp teeth, and dark reddish-brown coat of shaggy hair. Uh, Let's see. The Danville's own fire chief even apparently saw the beast and actually was the first one to report it. And he said, since since the monkey was first spotted by Danville Fire Chief Dave Kimball on August 21st when he was driving on Kingston Road, it it has drawn the attention of media from across the country. In fact, Kimball and uh, Lara Tonda were scheduled to be featured on Tuesday morning on NBC's Today Show um, to talk about what they had seen. Ironically, this was the same day as September 11th, and they got pushed out of, obviously, uh, news broadcasts that day. Kimball went on to say, from being reports, as soon as he hit the ground, he looked, he being the monkey, he took a giant leap and went back where he came from. The first thought I had was, that's nothing that's native to here. The monkey was identified later as a Humboldt woolly monkey. It was an actual live monkey running amok in the town of Danville, New Hampshire. Uh, the monkey, which had been spotted and heard howling by numerous residents, is now suspected to be hanging around the mobile home park at the Danville-Kingston town line. No one knows where the monkey, an endangered species from the Amazon, and it's illegal to own in the United States, escaped from. Volunteer monkey trappers are concentrating their efforts along with a supply of bananas in the area of the mobile home park after two confirmed sightings on Monday. I will say kudos to the people of Danville and all the emergency people that came out. I will say emergency, not as an EMTs, but as the volunteer trappers trying to find this monkey. They went on for two weeks trying to find this poor monkey and never found it. So it either was recaptured by its owners who never reported it missing because it's illegal to own monkeys as pets in New Hampshire. And also that particular species of monkey is illegal to have in the United States as a pet. So um, it either was recaptured or passed away somewhere in the forests around Danville. This was a true devil monkey sighting, sighting in that it was a real Amazon monkey, New World monkey, running around this town for two weeks, screaming at people. That must have been fun. But reading that actual article talking about how they're using bananas to lure this monkey, I'm like, am I reading an Onion article? This feels not real, but it is. Banana? (laughs) Banana! Sorry. The monkey was seen about nine times over the two weeks, um, and it actually caused a minor mass hysteria. 
and uh, eventually the sighting stopped. Um, as I mentioned, it was believed that a family illegally possessed this particular monkey um, and did not want to come forward knowing that it was illegal to own it, even though authorities had said they were not going to press charges if the family came forward. Interestingly enough, in 2017, an adult patas monkey was recovered from a family in the same neighborhood. Um, in Well, actually, no, I take it back. Not in the same neighborhood, but from Laconia, New Hampshire. Patas monkeys, however, are illegal to own as pets in Massachusetts, but not in New Hampshire. So it was um, claimed by government authorities and rehomed in a proper place. So... That was just an interesting aside. There, in, in two South New Hampshire towns, we had random escaped monkeys. And the Pontus monkey was quicker to be caught. But it was like, what's going on in New Hampshire where your monkeys are escaping? How do anyway, you even get a monkey as a pet? I would not like one, but some people really do. I mean, look at Tiger King. Some people really like having large exotic beasts. I guess I'm a little sheltered. I just don't understand how they um, lemurs were like them. like ring-tailed lemurs were popular for a while, and they're mm -hmm. only indigenous to Madagascar. I mean, mm -hmm. you no. know, people see these cute animals, and you know, they really aren't meant to be in captivity in that way. No, you no. know, it makes me think a lot of these stories could be escaped. Um, well, it's like the Zanesville um, safari. It's not a safari escape. It was a ranch uh, that had a bunch yeah. of exotic animals. Yeah, and they got that out. Was and awful. That was terrible. So, um, very well, similar a place to that. up the street where they had lions and tigers like caged, like mm -hmm. in walking distance from my house. There was a oh, property uh, right before we moved here that had animals like that. There, I mean, you hear about people having these exotic animals all over the country, and and you know, probably monkeys, and mm -hmm. you know, you hear those terrifying stories of the people with the chimps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have chimps until like after they're adults. They get really nasty. Yeah. But uh, I think this isn't confirmed, but I think around Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, there is a wild cat rescue. And if you're quiet on some nights, you'll hear them basically roaring at each other. And Aww. I remember being on a ghost hunt somewhere in Ellettsville, Indiana, and getting a warning that one of the cats had escaped. So we weren't that far away from it. It was, I think it was a wild mountain lion. That had, oh, that's scary. It was scary. We we stopped ghost hunting in the cemetery we were at and yeah. got in our cars and went home. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. January 12th, 2006, a family returned home to find, uh, and this is in Chicago, Illinois, a family uh, came home to find an unknown creature in their house attacking their Labrador Retriever. The family discovered the creature or described the creature as a mix between a monkey and a wolf. It had a long fangs, a long tail, and extremely bright glowing eyes. One of the family members was able to take a photo of the creature with a camera. Right after it was photographed, the creature got up on its hind legs and ran away. I also posted a photo of this in our outline. And I don't know if both of you can see it or not, but... <laughs> The Labrador Retriever in question that's being attacked looks way too happy to be actually, quote unquote, attacked. They so, were just playing. Yeah, it's just two dogs playing with a very bad eye glare from the photo from the cameras back in the day. But it's just funny that this particular photo will circulate every so often. It's a hoax. It's not a real photo. This is not a real story. But it's interesting that it gets attributed to the devil monkey. So I guess is... if you if you squint your eyes, it could be primate like. I mean, because it's got such short fur. And, yeah, you know. I guess there is no no new world monkey. New world monkeys have tails, by the way. Um, mm. That is that big and beefy. <laughs> There's just none of them. Oh yeah, that's so, photoshopped. It yeah. looks like a lab. It's not photoshopped. It's just it's just eye glare from a bad oh. camera. Yeah, it's just another yeah, it's dog. A dog. Yeah, yeah, it's a dog. But if, but if you squint, you could see it like being... Well, yeah, because it looks like it has really sharp fangs. Yeah. I it's mean, just an awkward angle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's face, facing you, so you don't see its snout. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my cats creep me out when their eyes start glowing. Yeah. In the night, you know, when you have one light on down the hallway, and it's just like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's a cat. 
<laughs> Mickey still manages to freak me out if yeah. I have one of our dim lights on in the in, in the bedroom and I wake up at 2 a.m. and she's standing there on her hind <laughs> legs just waving her tail and it just, it's, she looks like a small little shadow beast. Or so, maybe a devil monkey. Yeah, she, yeah. So 2009, an unnamed wildlife biologist in rural Louisiana claims to have witnessed a devil monkey. It was reported saying, at first, at first, I guess I kind of thought it may have been a dog, but as it got closer, I realized I was wrong. The thing, whatever it was, ran on all fours to a spot in the fence where trees were about 30 feet apart and leapt over the five foot fence in one hop. Once on my side of the fence, this thing stood up on two legs. It was only 30 feet from me. And at this point I got a really good look at it. It was about four feet tall, maybe a little bigger. It had really big yellowish eyes, large pointed ears and a sparse coat of shaggy fur. It stood on on its tiptoes and had a long, somewhat bushy tail, kind of like a squirrel, but not nearly as thick, thickly furred. The snout was very cat-like. It was close enough to make out hairs on its face. I'm inclined to believe that these may have been whiskers. Once it stood, it kept its arms to its sides, much like a human, but slightly bent at the elbow. It hand, Its hands had identical identifiable fingers with noticeable claws i know i saw something that day that i could not explain and i am hard pressed to ask others to blindly accept what i say as face value i'm not trying to convince anyone but rather find answers for myself in any case after considering the evidence i firmly believe what i saw was indeed a soul called devil monkey hmm. that's very sincere that yeah. is very sincere and that's what a lot of people who reportedly report these believe mm -hmm. again i'm not ruling out otters because river otters actually have a pretty big um uh, area in the in the north america like, mm -hmm. you know if you didn't know what one was they look pretty primate like yeah yeah um i had a map up a second ago um they are they are in Michigan. It looks like there are there are some in Ohio. Okay. If you look at the range, it kind of um it, it does include Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um it looks like most of the major river systems and lake systems have otters. Hmm. They are not in the plain states or anything like that, but they're all around the Great Lakes and in New York, Pennsylvania, like all down oh, the wow. East Coast. Okay. Um, you know, so they're pretty prevalent on this map. Um and river otters are kind of like the i mean there's different size otters i mean if you mm -hmm. saw the south american giant otters now those things are gargantuan mm -hmm. um but you know a lot of people you know it's it's one of those type animals that i don't think like beavers and you know like that one animal could have been a beaver too there's a lot of uh, m mammals around that you know maybe not necessarily be in people's <laughs> yeah and not, you know if you don't know that much about you know, the fauna and flora. Yeah. That one, that one actually reading it, I was like, that sounds like a kangaroo. Mm -hmm. Like the way it was described sounds like a kangaroo. Or a big squirrel. Like a mutant squirrel. Like the way that it's all described. But no, I think the otters are pretty good. Especially any of the sightings near water mm -hmm. could be an otter. So, of course, there are a number of explanations put forth as to what the devil monkey might really be. So the first one is an unnamed nape or North American ape as termed a term coined by Lorraine Coleman in the 1960s. Unlike Bigfoot or other large bipedal apes, napes are smaller monkeys or lesser great apes that are reported in swamps in the wilds of North America. Um, such another option could be rabid dogs or wolves or coyotes as such as the 1934 case in Tennessee. So those um, rabid dogs, they tend to be going completely crazy. They're attacking everything they can. They're nasty. And um, they, I do they lose fur? I don't know if they have mange, but I could see them having mange, which is um, just losing fur and having bald patches on their bodies. A lot of them certainly aren't in good health, that's for sure. No, they are not in good health, no. They're foaming at the mouth. That's another one that's pretty indicative of a rabid dog. Mm -hmm. um, or 
skunk or any number of things except for possums. Anyway, uh, escaped monkeys and kangaroos or pumas from private holders. This is also very, <laughs> this can happen. It's been, it's happened before. It's been reported on. Certainly here in Ohio, it has been reported on recently happening. Yeah, I was thinking that mountain lion story we covered. Yeah. And then finally, is it aliens? Of Maybe. course. Of course. That's, that's aliens. my guess. That's, yeah. So it's always aliens. That mm -hmm. is. I'm not saying it's aliens, <laughs> but it's aliens. But <laughs> where yeah. did the name devil why is it called the devil monkey just because it's creepy etymology for a mm. devil monkey anywhere like the actual recorded episodes of this happening attributed it to being a kangaroo like yeah the 1934 case which was the only historic weird monster case that i could find um related to this it calls them kangaroos and at one point it does call it like a big cat like a mountain lion um, without saying mountain lion, but it describes a mountain lion. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know where devil monkey came from. I never found a reasonable explanation other than maybe when in the 70s when Bigfoot hunting became really popular and the idea of bipedal great apes that weren't humans walking around or like the North American apes walking around. People will mistakenly call apes monkeys. And they call it a devil monkey because it's acting devilish like the ta Tasmanian devil. So yeah, gotcha. yeah. I think that may be the best explanation for the entomology yeah, entomology of the word. I think I got that right. <laughs> I think it's fascinating that I was just reading while we were talking about this that North America is the only um, area in the world that doesn't have monkeys. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and they have reasons for this, but it's fascinating that there aren't any native species, especially like in Central America, you see tons of them mm -hmm. and, uh, they're indigenous, obviously to South America quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, and it, they, they have several reasons. They think that there might've been some species that were wiped out. There was some sort of, there are theories now that there's a fairly big, they think that might've been like some sort of asteroid hitting North America or something that killed a lot of species. Something yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Bigfoot hunters really do think that there are um, just undiscovered apes and monkeys roaming the United States and Canada's forests. But wouldn't we have found them by now? Especially with iPhones and cell phones now? I just... Well, I will say, like... A lot of the large national parks in both Canada and the United States are very dense and thick. Mm. And, like, you have people going missing all the time. That's true. But the thing that is a little bit more damning is not finding any type of poo or corpses. Right. right. Um, and uh, Well, unless just... they're intelligent enough to bury their loved one. <laughs> I don't know. Well, chimpanzees can use tools. No, you're yeah. you're not wrong. It, it's that is a pretty big indicator of culture and um, like Neanderthals buried their dead, and we have a mm. lot of those. But other Homo, um, not Homo sapiens because that's us, but like Homo erectus and other um, members of the Homo family tree didn't necessarily bury their dead we don't have those graves and um so it's hard to like they just put their dead in caves and that was the extent of it so but um, they moved them they could move them we're not really sure when i say we like i'm the anthropologist going through and looking at them. you no. mean we as in people people yeah <laughs> thank you um it just we don't know if members would just die and they just left the bodies there or if they were moved it's kind of hard to tell yeah sometimes there would be offerings left around the bodies and they're not necessarily yeah. like high what we would consider high prized items they could be seashells they could be fun rocks things like that around mm -hmm. bodies i know with neanderthals they have found the pollen of flowers that were put into graves with neanderthals so yeah. um there, there is some evidence of that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's like, this is really into the realm of primatology, 
which mm-hmm. I'm not very well versed in, but um, yeah, we don't have, we, we're not finding that. We have, yeah. as far as I'm, the scientists have not found any monkeys. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean absolutely, like you said, there are a lot of areas in the world that are hard to get to. Yeah. Um, It seems seems unbelievable, but there are places that are almost impossible to get to. Yeah. And and perhaps there are some undiscovered species uh, in those areas that are sealed off enough that they aren't getting out and we're not getting in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They're still discovering new species of of different animals and insects, Mm -hmm. but not not I don't think too many recently in North America. Mm-mm. I mean, I think a lot of times when I see a lot of these sightings and stuff, and, and I was thinking also we covered the monkey story. I don't know if that's considered a devil monkey story, but remember just last year there was the person that they, they thought they saw monkeys in that graveyard. I was thinking of that. Hill. Yes, I was <laughs> thinking of that sighting, which turned out to be turkeys. <laughs> yes, I mean. In the and, cemetery and think- in Price Hill, yeah. Especially when you look at stuff like in the 1800s, I think it right now it's it's easy to take for granted how much access to knowledge we have, right? Um, and of animals, uh, and and so we can look on the internet for for what kind of species are in our area, and we have much more of a handle on because we can read too. I mean, you know, there was a time, I mean, where everybody didn't know how to read, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and you may not may have had limited knowledge of. The diversity of animals around you well that brings us to the sorry jen I the, just, oh go ahead no i was just gonna say with the 1934 articles from tennessee the sheriff is very quick to point out that it was the superstition of the residents who mm-hmm. attributed it to being a weird kangaroo creature that was attacking everybody and not a, a rabbit fish. dog so um, he was real quick to just say, well, this is unscientific. It's just superstition from the locals. Okay, yeah. Jen, what were you saying? I was just on the note of having access to knowledge. I remember when I first started at the Enquirer, I think it was in 2005. Uh, I was a news aide, so I would answer the incoming calls to the newsroom. And I worked a three to midnight shift. And normally, maybe around anywhere between 9 and 11, I would get calls from bars. Yep. Hey, I need you to settle settle a bet for me. <laughs> <laughs> and all those call, calls stopped once we had the smartphone. But right. that I I guess that's what people did when they didn't have access. Well, to the you internet. know, um, when I was when I was doing work on the elk book and I was visiting um, the headquarters of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, one of the scientists there said that a lot of people were super confused about ungulates, and some people thought that mooses and elk and deer were all the same animal just deer are the baby animal and they would get calls with people at the rocky mountain elk foundation asking if elk were baby moose you know some people don't necessarily realize the diversity of species around the world i mean to think that those three were all the same animal is interesting I am but, silently judging anybody who believes they're all the same animal. <laughs> I hate to say that. Well, they all have antlers, right? Well, well exactly. It's all different I types mean, of antlers, but sure. It, it's sort of lumping all ungulates into one species mm-hmm. when there's very, very many species of, you know, not just elk, but, you know, uh, or, or as I guess Native American name is Wapiti. They were used to be, they like buffalo, used to be mm-hmm. very prominent in the U.S. and mm-hmm. were overhunted. So they've been reintroducing elk into Kentucky and to, and, and even like as you get into biology is, is, you know, different species, depending on their diet can look different. And one thing that they observed was the elk that were reintroduced to Kentucky had a much richer diet than the elk that they eat in Montana, because in Montana, it's colder a lot longer. The, the uh, vegetation is, you know, very dry, but they almost looked like a different variation of the species because their diet was so rich and different. Like they have to eat a lot more flowers, a lot more richer um, plant life than they get to eat in other areas. Oh yeah. uh, and, And so that's kind of an interesting thing too. Um, looking at animals around the country oh yeah Uh, i think charles darwin was actually 
um, famous for finding that sparrows on the Galapagos Islands, Mm -hmm. depending on the area where they were, had different markings on them. And they were all the same genius, but they were, they all had slight different markings. And you actually, in linguistics, we find the same thing. You can have um, small packs of people living like in the, not the summits, but in the valleys between like mountains in any place that has a lot of mountains, you'll find different words for similar things. They sound very similar, but they're just slightly different. And that's because once you have that splitting of people or things by resources things Mm -hmm. will slightly evolve slowly and that's really how evolution works it's very slow human population drives out a lot especially large predators particularly Mm -hmm. have um, a difficult time because people don't obviously want their families in danger and large predators you know look at your uh you as prey your toddlers especially like any small as prey oh Uh, yeah (laughs) It, well, Sorry, it's true. I'm thinking of the dingo eating the baby being oh. a real that actually happened in that poor family. Well, you know, I mean, that's one thing that uh, you have to be really careful. Like when you're hiking in Colorado and places like that, they tell you to really keep an eye on your uh, smaller children and stuff because big predators are going to come after them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the like same the- with any kind of smaller animal. Um, you know, cats will hunt or cats, foxes, whatever, hunt tend to hunt smaller like baby rabbits and, you know, that sort of thing. And so mm-hmm. well, alligators um, and crocodiles in Florida. Well, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. You have to be really careful there. Those are big apex predators. And, mm-hmm. um, and it, like wolves, oh. for example, are extremely controversial in, in um, like the Yellowstone area because you still have the fight between the ranchers and mm-hmm. they found out that wolves are very integral to the ecological system out there, mm-hmm. but ranchers that doesn't, placate the rancher who's worried about losing his cattle to you know the the wolf packs yeah or people to wolf packs or right you know yeah it's Can't just they just feed them what the wolves yeah you, why would you want to domesticate wolves we have dogs. well i just so they wouldn't i guess wouldn't so they wouldn't eat their cattle no i don't think there's a way they're just going to lose some livestock but i can say that casually here in my house I'm not out on a ranch. There is a wolf sanctuary, sanctuary, red wolf sanctuary, not too far from here, Mm -hmm. where they have rescued. Mm -hmm. um, There's one right outside of Lafayette, Indiana, too. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm all for, you know, letting these animals survive, you know, and and thrive. I mean, but but then again, that means there's a real danger that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was working on that big cats book. I remember the art director talking about biking once and saw a mountain lion jump on something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you that... don't want it to be you. No, yeah. generally not. Did but... you see that there was a YouTube video going around not too long ago of a guy on a walk in the mountains in Utah and yes. uh, being followed by an angry, I think it was a puma or a cougar. They're all um, the same. Mountain lion, yeah. puma, cougar. And, all just oh, everything. Kitty was angry. And he's just like, oh my God. Well, a lot oh of times God. if they have if they have babies, oh, yeah, um, you know, that's yeah. when they are especially probably dangerous to be around. Uh, we actually, a uh, friend of the show who we talked about her cats last week, Vanessa, uh, when she was an undergrad in biology, her job was to go in to see hibernating bears and tag them. Oh, oh my God. That's terrifying. We should have her on the show to talk about her taxidermy stories too. Ooh, that would be fun. Oh yeah. She used to get to, um, she used to get to inspect and I don't want to ruin the story. Just this is a taste. If we get her on, she used to have to, she worked for a museum. I want to say it was in North Carolina and she would have to, people would talk about animals that um, they found dead that they were going to use as taxidermy for the museum. And so there would be like a race to get to the animal first. You could claim it for the museum. And it was a pretty exciting story. So we will get that on here. Yeah, I'm surprised a taxidermist didn't get to that dead body on the side of the road in Louisiana. The the, uh, medical illustrators um, had a workshop once in Cincinnati that 
I had signed up for where they were doing tech it was basic taxidermy and they were doing it with bugs like big bugs mm-hmm. and I remember asking her if she wanted to do it with me and she said I can't stand the smell of formaldehyde anymore yeah yeah it's pretty <laughs> potent <laughs> but that, that, that's back, another back to high school and dissecting the frogs but yeah. but that would be you know that's an interesting discussion again you know talking about animals and taxidermy and seeing I mean I think one of the animals that she had to inspect was a whale. Oh my gosh. Come over on the show. Ooh, that could you be know. smelly. It, uh she did describe it as the smelliest thing she'd ever. Yeah, like when to. their corpses wash up from the sea mm-hmm. the oceans. Anyway, and, but it's the animals all... alone. <laughs> they die in the ocean eventually they're going to come that or the giant squid are going to take them down under anyway. Um <laughs> It, it, it's interesting with the double monkey stories. It really does sound like a mix of just really poor visuals, kind of like the Mothman, mm-hmm. and uh, very real world predators, rabid dogs, or even just alcohol being involved somewhere. <laughs> so very those true. are the stories of the devil monkey from all over North America. So. Yes. Well, you, the name is great. You can't, and and I I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have to float a picture of the devil monkey that Steve drew for his story. Yes, yes. Um, we'll get his permission to put it on there. <laughs> but it's it's a great little story. It's a great slice of Americana, and, and when I say Americana, like North Americana, I guess. Um, there are no stories really like these around the world these are a very pure north american thing now there are bigfoot around the world but devil monkey nope that's america and canadian canadia's oh no i'm tired uh canada's thing so our friends up north our friends up north well i think maybe maybe that's one reason i mean we've never talked about this before but maybe that's why the idea of bigfoot's so appealing because we don't have any apes or monkeys oh that's exactly why it is it's exactly we want one we're jealous we we wish we had one i've listened to a lot of um cryptozoologists talk about this and how north america does not have its own primate besides humans and um just how that's Bigfoot fills that void, and so does these small little North America apes. Mm-hmm. So, so, if Bigfoot were real, mm-hmm. would they be nice, or do you think they would just be that full one predator? I, I guess. So, <laughs> looking at silverback gorillas, which are really the largest great ape we have besides man, they're even bigger than man. And not man as in men, it's man as in humankind. Um, they're pretty docile until they get um, agitated by something. So if there's a predator coming after somebody in their group, they will attack that. And sometimes if there's a younger male trying to en- encroach in their ter- territory, they will attack that and they will fight. Um, but when you see them interacting with their own family members and group members, they're very mm-hmm. sweet. And they're very loving. There's a lot of videos of male silverback gorillas playing with their offspring. They will kill other males' offsprings, though, even if they're by females in their group. So that's not so pleasant. But um, generally, when it's their own family members, they're very sweet. So maybe that's what Bigfoot's like. I mean, I don't think you could generalize any species, including humans, as being nice or bad. I, I mm-hmm. think they all have their own interests, and they're all territorial, and they all have their own agenda. So mm-hmm. it's not like you could put that sort of... So they may not necessarily attack you if you just run across their path. Not necessarily, but they will... close you get to their territory. <laughs> yes. And I do have to sit here and mention and go, R.I.P. Harambe. Yeah. Yeah. That was... Uh... That was unfortunate. That was really sad. That was really sad. So he was not a baby. Well, baby. All (laughs) animals are babies to me. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's silverbacks. Like Christina said, it it would. There's more depth to them than just good or bad. So it's really hard to say with Bigfoot or Sasquatch how they would act. Like the Ohio Grassman, which is a shorter version of Bigfoot here in Ohio is supposed to be have really bad tempers 
versus yeah. like a skunk ape that's in Florida that is just large and stinky and in the swamps. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's interesting how it's the different hot parts come me. Or mm-hmm. maybe it is too hot. It's too hot. They just stay in the swamp. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean you, almost any animal, if you get into their territory, um, they will defend it and, well, yeah. and you know, are, are potentially dangerous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and but it doesn't mean that they're bad or, you know, they're all just trying to survive. <laughs> Have you seen me with a bag of marshmallows? Those are not being shared. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. I mean, yeah. I've I've seen you know like um, you know, birds are extremely territorial. Like if you have a bird feeder oh, yeah. and you watch it, I mean, they're angling. Oh, hummingbirds are jerks. Of, yeah, they'll push each other out of the way. They're jerks um, <laughs> to each other. Have you ever seen? Oh, them peck oh. at each. Oh God, it's I'm funny. only laughing because I've seen them fight yeah. at each other. Yeah. My neighbor's tree. Yeah. This is my nectar. Go get. I just own. love how we went from devil monkeys to hummingbirds. That's where this conversation's <laughs> yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Devil hummingbirds. Yeah, devil they're, hummingbirds. They're, they're, I have other words for them, but they're they're pretty. But they're or the are the monkey turkeys that we have in Cincinnati. Yeah, yes. I think we need mm-hmm. to coin a name for them: turkey monkeys. Turkey monkeys. <laughs> we'll find something creative for them. Yeah, are turkey I mean, vultures the same family as a turkey? No, um, no, uh, they're turkey vultures are just vultures that are bald. They can have okay. red or black heads, uh-huh. and they look like turkeys, but they're a type of vulture. Okay, so they yeah. don't. Okay, that's why they're really cool. Turkey. They're very smart. Actually, we I did not pay attention in science class. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a bunch of nesting in an old warehouse in my neighborhood. Oh, really? And I love them because yeah. they just. I always know where something's died because uh-huh. they're a swarm, but um. <laughs> They're just they're fascinating to watch. They're they're beautiful if you're really gothy like I am, mm-hmm. where they're all black and they have this like huge plumage around their neck mm-hmm. and they just dive bomb for corpses and they're huge and they're scary and they freak out the small children. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes, these are my birds. But... Well, you look at if you ever watched Dark Crystal. Yeah. You know, the Skeksis were very modeled on condors and vultures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah. like that tree. I saw. I know I've mentioned it before. On my drive to and from work, when I was out and about, there was a tree near um, North Side that had them for like a season, mm-hmm. and it was just it was just cool to see them every day. I have to see. It could have been them nesting, like herons yeah. when they nest. They actually all nest in a, a certain area, yeah, called yeah. a rookery. And you see all the the herons because herons are not social. They don't hang around with each other when it's when they don't have babies and they're right. mating season. And I suspect other birds probably are similar in there. Yeah, um, where they're solitary, but except you know during mating season and raising their young. Right. Yeah. So, but we have a hometown haunt this week. Yes, oh. we do. Exciting. Yes. Uh, so you want me to read it or? Yes, please. Oh, okay. Um. And I heard this uh, recently uh, through our uh, encounters talking to people. Uh, I visited a family graveyard in my town with my niece and her four-year-old son after some ancestry research. And and they were saying when they told me the story that that they went to see this graveyard because they had read about it on Ancestry.com. It had a lot of family members buried there. And um, it was on private property. And although we had permission to be there, we were a little nervous. Because it was a little bit out of the way. There were some houses there that like you couldn't, even though you had permission, some of the people there might not realize you had permission. And it was one of those areas where people don't just go hang out. Hmm. And so they got out and they were looking around for the family gravestones. And her niece's son became very agitated. And he said that a boy he had just met tried to take his favorite, his current favorite stuffed animal away from him. But there was no one else at the cemetery. Oh, I like that. So I know. Kids say those things. It is creepy when kids say those things. I don't Ooh. think you give a stuffed animal to the kid. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's that's a great story. Thank you for sharing it with yeah, us. Yeah. That was creepy. That is I kind of want to know what what did they do after that? Yeah. I, I, I should ask. I should ask. Yeah. Or, you know, kids can say stuff like that and you just kind of blow it off. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I don't know. In a cemetery, uh, no. Well, little guy, when I was bringing him home from preschool last week, said everyone passed away and kept replying, just repeating that the entire drive home. Everyone passed away. Everyone passed away. Oh, wow. And what he meant was we had left and everyone had passed him. But it came out. Creepy. Everyone passed away. And I'm like, this is delightfully creepy. Somehow I need to make a comic out of it. You do. So I can really empathize with the family here going to a remote cemetery where you're already nervous about the police being called on you or somebody taking it upon themselves to patrol the cemetery even though you have permission, you don't want to run into somebody who is being extremely nosy no. and territorial. Kind of like and when we went to the dollhouse cemetery. Yes, that is exactly that. That was a good outcome that we had that we ended up getting yeah. a history tour, but um, I'm sure we were not the first people that he had visited because somebody had called it in. Yeah. So mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I do get it. And then also having your, your son say, the little boy was trying to take his favorite stuffy from him. That's well, that's just unsettling. Baby just wanted a toy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it's a like wonderful, my nephew wonderful story. That would drive by when my sister would pick him up from dark hair, would drive by a cemetery and they'd be stopped at a light. And he'd, Mama, who are all those people in there? <laughs> or standing in there or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. Yep. That's, that's yep. not that different, really. <laughs> No. Yep. I remember <laughs> those days. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, How did people react to you when you would say things like that as a child? So my mom would just go, uh-huh, sweetie, that's nice. And then just drive <laughs> as fast away from the cemetery we could. And mm. I remember um, so growing up there was the superstition that you had to hold your breath when you drove past the cemetery or a ghost would possess you. And I remember one of my friends telling me this, and I looked at them and said, that's not how it works. That's not going to help. <laughs> I just said it in a deadpan, Wednesday Adams-esque way, and freaked all my friends out in the minivan. So that's it's a, not that going to help the, you when they come. That has mm -hmm. the makings, especially after being at the book festival, that has the makings of a great YA novel. Doesn't you need it? to write oh, that. Yeah. You need to write some YA. I mean, you know, it's hard to like for us to separate from doing comics and yeah. stuff that's really visual, but th that that's a great hook. That is I a mean, good hook. And just yeah, I'll think about that. <laughs> we used to, I, I don't know, in Missouri, it was hold your breath and lift your feet up. Oh. I think, or maybe that was when you cross railroad tracks too. <laughs> I know we had to hold our breaths and put our mm -hmm. finger on like a nut on the bus, like okay. a bolt, like okay. that, the screw head. Mm -hmm. instead of lifting legs and okay. um that was whenever you went over railroad tracks it was for luck ah, mm -hmm. we did that in okay. elementary school hmm, this sounds like it could be a show superstitions oh yeah it's interesting with all the little local superstitions people have mm -hmm. um especially teenagers yeah and kids yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah um, that could be a future show but on that note yes thank you everyone for listening to this wonderfully weird episode of the cincinnati captain of curiosities presents the hometown haunts podcast i am your host cat loco who is quickly losing her breath and along with me are my co-hosts christina wald and jen kohler you can follow us at sin cabinet curio on twitter and at cincy cabinet of curiosities on instagram and of course if you would like to send in your own superstitions from your neck of the woods you can send that to hometown haunted mail at gmail.com or join our facebook group at hometown haunts and share it with everyone who's there we're a friendly group we love hearing things we share weird memes mm -hmm. come join mm -hmm. us it's fun so on that note everyone good night and stay spooky bye, bye, -bye. bye.